Climbers, we are the hopeful. We are the future. We are the artists. Let's talk about what's before us now. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music industry. We are here for you. This podcast exists because we want you to win. We want you to see what we see. Massive amounts of opportunity shrouded in all kinds of bad headlines. But it is easier now than it ever was before to make a decent living, take care of your family, put your kids through college, have the white picket fence, and do what you were born to do instead of wearing the khaki pants and being inside the... uh, the, the, corn, the cubicle jungle. <laughs> the cubicle jungle. The corporate the cor- the corporate prairie dog farm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why we called it the climb. C L I M V creating leverage in the music business. That's a backstrom. That's from a genius who also happens to be my good friend and somebody you want to know. He's a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. His name is Brent. Baxter and what I love about Brent is that he takes songwriters like you and reveals how to write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he puts you in touch with the pro so you can make the relationships with you, you know, you gotta have the goods to make the relationship work and make that wheel go around. So having the relationship before you know what you're doing, bad thing. But once he gets you dialed in, he's gonna get you the relationship. Good thing. And you can find Brent at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that is songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinnell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. Listen, if you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S. There's no S because there's no other Johnny D. I'm so fired up! (laughs) I'm fired up, too, for many reasons. One, I just got internet out here, so if anyone's watching the video of this, uh, it's a different background. And mm-hmm. I'm in my workshop. <laughs> so you go in the new place in the new place. At the new place we just moved. So everything's uh, still kind of jumbled. And I've been running off hot spots and having to go to in- my in-laws to record podcast for the net for the past little bit, uh, which has been a pain, but my in-laws are sweet. And so I finally got the internet people out here this morning. They got me wired up in a workshop, which is still being used for storage, but will one day <laughs> eventually become the new lyric lab. And I'm excited about that. Lyric I'm not excited like about that. spending the money, but I'm did you say that? Have you had that for word for a while? Uh, you know, I'm, that needs to be a thing. That needs to be. It should be a thing. That needs to be notes a thing. from the Lyric Lab. So, yes, indeed. Yeah. So, uh, you know what? Today we are going to spend a little bit of time just kind of talking about 2021 and everything that's happened. And I, I want to say this at the risk of coming off. I, you know, I don't want to come off arrogant. I don't want to come off cocky. I'm not trying to be braggadocious, but I am going to be matter of fact. Over the last six years, when it comes to predicting things that are going to happen in the music business, I think I'm batting a thousand. <laughs> have I missed one? Um, if I have, I missed one. I don't know what it is, though. Yeah, of that's uh, I can't think though. of anything. It just seems to be coming more and more true, especially in the broad strokes. Like, I don't think. Uh, 
I don't think uh, Taylor Swift ever had that one incident with the chicken nugget that you talked about one time. But I think other than that, I think you've been spot on. I'm making chicken that, nugget. Oh. <laughs> I'm making that part up. I have no idea. <laughs> no, but so it's, no, been, spot it's been spot on. And, and listen, it's not because I'm a genius. I, honest, I tell you what I'm looking at to derive these kinds of predictions and to see the future that I see because I want you to see it too. But and my mom used to say water seeks its own level. It's as sure as a drop of water is going to find a <clears throat> a crack in that shingle, find the place where it's got to roll down underneath the shingle to get through the, the paper underneath the shingle, to, to find a crack in the wood, to get down into your bedroom. It's going to find it. It's, it's, just, it's unsustainable unless you fix the roof, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of – I think the number one message that I have tried to put across for the – Throughout this whole podcast since we started it, Brent, but certainly in the last couple of years because of the massive changes that have been happening onto the digital platform, this is what we preach. This is what we see. Um, I want to. Sh- I want you guys to see the power that you have. I want you to really understand the big picture, and then I want you to get to work before mm-hmm. these spaces start filling up. There's so many places where you can be right now where your competition isn't because they don't see what you see and you see that here. That's what this podcast is about. So that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to get cool. into a little philosophy and a really old book that mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to turn some people on to. So Dante's Seven Levels of Hell. I think that uh, is some of my music experience. Is that that? <laughs> no, it's no. not that old. Okay. 1951. <laughs> okay, a little newer than that. Okay. A little younger than that. Yeah, Dante's it's 20th century. But <laughs> so, um, all right, guys. Well, before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. We are proud as Peacocks to be a part of the American Songwriter Magazine's podcast network, which you can find at americansongwriter.com forward slash podcast. There are 14 other shows on this podcast network in terms of uh, the verticals that you like, which is songwriting, music, business, and production, all kinds of stuff for you to see. Uh, if you I've been a long time climber and you haven't had a chance to go check out these other shows, please do so. If you found us from those other shows on American Songwriter Magazine, welcome to the climb. By all means, we'd love to have you come on in. The water's warm. We, we support each other around here. Um, and uh, 15 shows is a lot. They have taken all the risk out. They have put together the sun cast for you. Brent, tell them what the sun cast is. That'll help them just tip, dip their toe in some other shows and get some other really important information. That's right. So what American songwriter uh, podcast network has done for you is they have curated the top five podcast episodes from that week, from the podcast network. They deliver them to your inbox every Sunday. And all you need to do to get that a handy dandy little curation is to go to American songwriter.com forward slash suncast. That is S-U-N-C-A-S-T, like sun as in Sunday and cast as in podcast, the suncast. So, yeah, we love it. It shows up in my inbox every Sunday. And, of course, I open that sucker up and see if we're in there. And thankfully, we usually are. And uh, it's fun. So it just it's a good way to get the climb, but it's also just a, what you should subscribe to anyway. But it's also a good way to get uh, kind of a little sampling platter of what else is on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. Super handy. Doesn't cost you anything. You just... <laughs> It's a one of those free subscriptions. Just get you. Yeah, you know, it's like a free little curation there to say, hey, yeah, exactly. you know, they they go they go through the trouble listening to all the podcasts and say, hey, here's the five best this week. Mm-hmm. Check these out, so you don't have to mess with it, right? That's exactly, make your life easier. 
Join the climb community if you haven't done so already. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. This is a thriving community. This is not the, the tumbleweed place that you have where people are either saying nothing and it's a ghost town or all they're doing is bitching. Uh, not the case here. We have shiny, happy people that hmm. are working their butts off and trying to get ahead and sharing their vulgar dis- displays of prowess with one another. And we love it. And we have places for you to share that. I love that. I saw Brad Hacker just put a an article in that he thought would help the whole community. He put that in the main feed in the climate mm-hmm. community. Love that. Thank you, Brad, for doing that. Yep. We want to encourage more of that that was not about brad in any way shape or form it was just hey i'm part of this community i think you guys could benefit from this information and he put it there if it is about you if it's about a gig if it's about Mm -hmm. a win if it's about a song that you wrote a recording that you have yes we want to hear that too doesn't go in the main feed got to keep everything clean place for everything and everything in its place right so That goes into certain places. Let's talk about some wins on Wednesday. All right. Well, before we get to that, speaking of Brad and the helpful article that he shared, I saw he he posted that as well. See, Brad knows that if he can, you know, rising tide lifts all ships, right? Like mm-hmm. in the Kaline community, he's met several friends, several co-writers are getting, and I'll get to that in the the new height segment here in a second, but he knows like if I put stuff out there that helps this community and the people in it write better songs, make more connections and I am riding with people in this community. It's funny how that's probably going to come back and help Brad out. Not huh. only do they see his name more in the community as a as a valuable like contributor, not a taker, but a contributor, and then it helps them further their career, and they're writing better stuff, and then he ends up writing with them because he has a little bit of familiarity and positive vibe to his name, and he's a good writer too. And then, you know, everybody wins. Hmm. It's like long-term thinking. And he may not even be thinking all that. He's probably just doing that to be helpful. But thing is, it comes back around. Everybody wins. Everybody. I think he knows. I just think he wants to be helpful. Yeah. I think think that's his his agenda. Yeah. That's son of a B. Yes. Just trying to help people with nothing, asking nothing in return. (laughs) What kind of person is that? Terrible. I'll tell you what kind of person it is. It's got a person with a new height. So Brad said, I had another song, make it to the re-listen bin for another major artist. Uh, this time yeah. is a song written with Karen Fraden called That Kiss. So uh, loving the journey and the climb. So grateful. So that's the kind of person Brad is. And let's share a couple more. So yeah, New Heights is where we encourage you to celebrate your wins with us every Wednesday. It pops up in the feed and you just leave a comment there and it's your time to brag and share the good stuff. Uh, like Taylor Hughes music said, my song Praying to the Whiskey is up for International Song of the Year. Love your support. And the link to vote is below. And that's at Down the Radio down to roadradio.com thing. So it has a link there. So if you want to check out Taylor's music, you can do that. So good luck, Taylor. Uh, let's see another one here. Michael Roth says, I just got a sticker, but it brings back warm memories of my childhood. But that sticker is honorable mention uh, winner at the USA songwriting competition for Michael Roth. Oh, cool. So he got the little, the digital sticker, <laughs> which nice. makes him feel like a warm little fuzzy little kid again. So anyway, like other good stuff going on there. Just want to share some of those with you. So congrats, uh, Brad Taylor, Michael, and the other folks listed here on your new heights and keep on climbing. There we go. All right. So, uh, guys, the climb community you have to ask to be let in by the way, but we let everybody in. Okay. Just be good boys and girls or you'll be roadhoused out. That's all we ask. We take care of our climb community members. We don't want them being inundated 
with a bunch of BS. That's right. We don't spam. We jam. Put it in the right place. That's right. So uh, follow or subscribe to the podcast wherever you consume it. And lastly, you spend this amount of time with us. We got a lot of really loyal climbers, mm-hmm. man. We really do. And yeah. they do it for a reason because we continue to – uh, work hard to add value to you guys. We take this very seriously. We do not take it lightly and help us by sharing it with a friend. Tell somebody about it. Okay. Tell another musician, another artist, another songwriter. Hey, uh, man, I know maybe you're not a big podcast guy. I know maybe you're not a big podcast girl, but I, just listen to this one episode. I think you're going to freak. I think you're going to love this mm-hmm. and, and it's going to excite you. You know, it's going to get you, get your juices flowing, get you go. Somebody that needs a little bit of spiritual uplifting in terms mm-hmm. of their career. This is the place to find it. Share it with them. Okay. So awesome. you ready to get into this brother? Um, take a sip of coffee and that might help me get ready for your deep thinking. <laughs> We got some deep thinking going on. This this past year, I've definitely focused on the fact, the fact that our beloved record industry is in the midst of a paradigm shift mm-hmm. uh, and has been for a few years now. What is a paradigm shift? It's a pattern shift. It's an absolute 180 degree change in the business model. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the major shift is... Uh, you know, from our industry operating on a broadcast platform where you have massive amounts of reach, a captive audience, and you sell stuff, physical things, mm-hmm. records, A-tracks, cassettes, CDs, and these these massive amounts of, like, you know, audiences on television and radio, uh, these are promotion vehicles with a captive audience that had no other choice to listen to music other than to listen to the people that were, you know, on the stations and they pulled the levers, right? Mm -hmm. The big, the big industry people pulled the levers. Uh, That's how they promoted the demand to go out and buy these, this stuff, this music, the stuff that we fell in love with that made us want to become artists. The major shift is now from our industry operating on a broadcast platform to operating on a digital platform, right? Mm-hmm. And it sounds easy enough, doesn't it? Um, so. Maybe it sounds even easier, I think, to some of us, like mm-hmm. on the surface. And it is in a lot of ways. You know, digital makes things easier, right? Yeah. Uh, it was certainly, you know, Windows operating system, the Mac OS operating system. All these programs we have have made life a lot more efficient for us just in our day-to-day lives, let alone those of us who have businesses and and need to work our businesses. And certainly those of us, if it's not your own business, it's your job. Mm-hmm. How much are you <laughs> working off of one of those two operating systems? Change the world forever, right? right. So it's yeah. easier now. Uh, it's certainly easier to create quality recordings these days, isn't it? Oh, yeah. This makes it easier for more artists to compete in the marketplace in terms of product, mm-hmm. right? Whereas before, uh, if you didn't have enough money, you didn't get a good recording because it was cost prohibitive, right? Right. It's easier to distribute those recordings and make them available for all who want to hear. Want, quote unquote, being the, uh, the key word <laughs> in that sentence. Yeah. There. <laughs> um, this means uh, effective marketing and promotion will always yield results. Mm-hmm. That wasn't always the case. No one were getting screwed because you created demand for your music, but the store doesn't have your record. 
When was the last time, I mean, you went on to a digital space and it was like, sold out? Right. Sorry, we don't have that record. <laughs> hmm Well, I'll tell you what. It's happened sometimes when, and this pisses me off, but when artists do, uh, when, when some of my favorite bands, like from the 80s, will do a re-record so that they can own the master. Mm-hmm. Yeah which I get from a live position. They want to make 100% of the money. They don't want to, you know, along after they've been kicked to the curb by the record label, they yeah. can't sell those records anymore without paying the record label. Yeah, and they, they got to buy them from the record label. Yeah. Right. Right. So they, you know, they're, they're trying to do business differently, but when I can't find the original recording, which uh. is the one I like, uh, that's kind of sold out. It feels like that. I don't know. So, but that's the feeling. <laughs> right. right. And, yeah. and, and there were lots of reasons uh, back in the days of physical distribution that a store might not have your record. And they were BS reasons, but they were real reasons and the damage was the same, right? Like might, might you, be the, you're, you're the only one in town that likes the Indigo Girls. <laughs> That's right. And so yeah, like you, <laughs> or that one other person got to that one copy before you. Well, let's even talk about – let's talk about that's – that's an angle I hadn't even considered – that, that you're talking about lack of demand in a certain market, right? There's certainly, uh, you know, Sammy Hagar was a multi-platinum Ferrari driving full-fledged rock and roll star mm-hmm. who never sold records in St. Louis, major yeah. metropolitan area. They just, that market just didn't give a crap about Sammy Hagar. Um, mm-hmm. So that's what you're talking about. I, let's talk about it from the other end. Let's just talk mm-hmm. about the fact that you or your label couldn't afford to manufacture and ship the record to the store. Yeah. Because they were having cash flow problems, right? Mm-hmm. So you've made the demand happen. You're yeah. on the radio. You've gotten maybe you've gotten a couple of big article write-ups or something. And everybody's like, "Oh my God, who's who are these people? Who are these people? I want this artist. I want this artist." And you're going to the record store, and you're not there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you know how many artists just fell out of the spotlight because their record label ran out of money, mismanagement of money. Oh, yeah. um, artists did everything they were supposed to do, but mm-hmm. something else happened with the label. Or how about you or your label couldn't afford the massive contracts required to play at the national distribution level required by the Walmarts and the Best Buys, the Targets, the Music Lands, the Tower Records. You guys have no idea the politics that goes on with that. The buybacks on that crap, mm-hmm. you know, like Walmart, yeah, we'll buy, you know, 700,000 records and put them in our stores all across America. But if we only sell 20,000, we're shipping back. Mm-hmm. 680,000 records and we're going to need a check or they're going to, you know, they're going to net 90 or net 180 on you. So you don't get the payment. You have to front all the money and let it sit out there till they can see what the demand really is. Yeah. Right. That was a, that was a massive amount of stress and money. And Mm -hmm. uh, it was a mess, you know, and guess what? Walmart had created that kind of leverage in the music business. Cause they had had the, the shelf space. So they had a lot of leverage. There they have the traffic. Hello. And uh, how about you and your label didn't have a strong enough relationships with the gatekeepers to those national and international distributors. There were major, major companies that did the buying and the decision-making for the Walmarts, for Mm -hmm. the Best Buys, for the Targets, for the Musiclands, for the Tower Records and handled the back and forth with the labels, right? You guys get the idea. Um, it's certainly easier now to find your audience and put your art in front of said audience. Mm-hmm. You, you no longer need anyone's permission. Right. There's no longer a tyranny of space. Oh, man. Okay, so speaking of that, I remember my buddy Tim Meitzen and I, we did this, and this was like in the year 2000. Uh, we did this <laughs> record. 
and called a thousand acres and tim and i wrote uh, i co-wrote all but one of the songs on the record with tim so we just went into it together because for me it was like demos and he was making a record because he played out some and would sell them and, and we just split all that we just went in together on this thing so but i remember going back to our, our mutual hometown of batesville arkansas and talking to some different stores just to get some cds put out on consignment just so maybe people could bounce into it, you know, yeah. and yeah. to do that whole deal. And I remember trying to put together a GeoCities website, you know, for Tim, figuring that out for the, you know, for the record, all that. So this is like before MySpace and all that. So, I mean, it was, it was trying to just, where can we put this where people can, st- where can we get distribution yeah. on the scene where nobody happened to see them <laughs> anyway? Yeah. Even yeah. though it down. Way I mean, easier it- now. It's way easier now, right? Like before, you'd have to have that relationship. Remember when everybody's trying to hustle to get their record in like a Starbucks? Yeah. Or their record in, uh, I even think um, Cracker Barrel started a record label. Yeah. You know why? Because they had uh, this whole country audience. Mm-hmm. They had traffic. Why not sell them something else? Let's start a record label instead of trying to buy it from the labels. Let's, let's, develop our own artists because we know we're going to sell a certain amount of these things because they're going to be right by the cash register. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that was, this is a huge deal, but that's not, we don't have the tyranny of space in distribution. We don't have the tyranny of space anymore in terms of the marketing vehicles and the promotion vehicles that we use, like a, like a radio station playlist, meaning more artists can make a decent living than before. Mm-hmm. In fact, the top 40 has turned into the top 44,000. Let's break that down. That means 90% of the radio spins, a.k.a. exposure, used to be comprised of only 40 artists. So 90% of the music being consumed was 40 artists, which which also translated largely into sales. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right? Mm -hmm. Those are not exact corollaries, but they're pretty damn close. Yeah. Now, 90% of all the streams are comprised of 44,000 artists. Huh. Uh, and, and everybody's like, yeah, but there's 7 million on Spotify, so that's BS. No, that's a 1,100% increase in your access to exposure. That's right. And in real, gosh darn, exposure, yeah. period. It's 1,100% more, and it's growing all the time, okay? So don't let the – I mean, we are definitely in a, a freakish time where people are trying to get votes by telling us we should all have the same life. Mm-hmm. We should all make the same amount of money. We should all have no hurdles in life, and somehow like that's magically – going to happen right. not the case and and it's certainly not the case for artists there's seven or eight million artists on the streaming services and i'm just here to tell you most of them suck sorry they right. shouldn't be doing music they, they need to focus on something else they're really good at because this isn't what their jam is it, this it, isn't it, what it their gift is great life enriching hobby yes that's good and then and then let's not let's not conflate that with an artist who's trying to make a living Mm-hmm. You know, by by put, throwing them in the pile of, well, they're one of these artists that doesn't make any money. Well, it's a hobby for them. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're not trying to make money. Right. Right. So the problem is that, you know, my point in, in sharing this with you guys and kind of revisiting this is there is a massive movement going on. And you 
are a part of it. We are the movement. Okay. We are, and this is the movement of the middle class of artists who are figuring out. I mean, 13,400 artists were paid $50,000 just in streaming revenue in 2020, just from Spotify. Mm-hmm. Okay. And when we did the math on that last, that show of, a few months back, I think it was 2,700 artists made money over the last 60 years in the way the music business used to work. And now, uh, I think we after we backed everything out, all the major multi-million dollar brand mm-hmm. names and the currently signed acts and some of the lucky lottery ticket winners, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we figured out that somewhere in the neighborhood of 8,000 indie artists like you that you've never freaking heard of figured out a way to make at least $50,000 just in streaming on Spotify. But all you think about a Spotify is how much, how crappy they pay. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is also true. Not false. I see my statements. Yeah. Not false. It's it's true. But you know what? For the real for the for the top level industry guys and writers like you, Brent, and like Chuck Cannon, and like, you know, some of our friends who are hit songwriters, man, the, the, the struggle's real for them because their mailbox money from the work that they've mm-hmm. done has de- depleted more than ninety percent. Oh yeah. Okay, but to you, the indie artist who's trying to on their way up, trying to, to and, 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 you know, sidestep, that's going to take care of itself here. Mm-hmm. It's going to have to because you have the intellectual property. Yeah. The, the writers will just be like, they'll figure out a different way to demand the attention that they get. And that's going to take care of itself. But to, to, to the indie artist trying to make their way, create some revenue, prove to their parents that they actually can make a living doing this, mm-hmm. um, y'all this is news. You didn't have this before. Right. Okay. And so, you know, the problem is that the record label machine and the music industry works wonderfully with broadcast strategies because the machine was built around broadcast strategies. Mm -hmm. Broadcasting is one to many. That's radio. That's TV. That's live shows. The machine doesn't work well or sometimes kind of not at all when it comes to breaking artists uh, with the tried, when they apply the tried and true 100 year old broadcast promotional strategies to a brand new digital platform, mm-hmm. the machine has to be retooled to be effective. So, just to give you credence on the fact, I, I want to articulate to everybody that you're in a movement. We're in a movement. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, big, big deal. It won't be very long at all. And I'm talking less than five years, maybe less than two, where. The when we're talking overall dollars, the amount of revenue generated from indie artists as a collective is more than the revenue generated from all the major label artists combined. Hmm. That won't take much longer. It, it hmm. keeps growing. And then what happens? Money talks and, and BS walks. Yeah. Right. So all of a sudden things, different things are going to happen. Hey, you know what? As a group of indie artist people, we have a lot of power. Maybe uh, each individual indie artist, even at the top of that hierarchy, can't compete with a, a major label artist. Mm-hmm. But phew, collectively, if they decide to do something, uh, it's going to be it can be devastating to the platforms. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So. Let's talk about movements for a second. I am knee deep in this incredible book by Eric Hoffer called The True Believer. 
the thoughts on the nature of mass movements, because that's what we're in. And I'm thinking about climbers and I'm thinking about this industry and I'm thinking about Brett, your, your, your Brent, your passion, my passion and how we want to help all these people. And uh, when I heard about this book, I just was like, Oh, I had to buy it right away. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just going to, I'm going to read a, 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 a couple excerpts from this, because I want you to see what I see. I want you to see the power that you have. I want you to see where you're sitting and how important it is that you get to work right now because like, the, the result of the work that you do now as a mass movement is, going, is so much more powerful than it even was had you had the same resolve, say, five years ago. Mm-hmm. That's how quickly this is turning and that's how strong this is. Okay. So this is specifically talking about movements. This book doesn't um, make any, it's just about the psychology of a mass movement. It's not about uh, commenting on them, having a prejudice against one or the other. Some of them are really good movements. Some of them are really horrific movements Mm -hmm. but they were mass movements that people got on board with massive amounts of people and so it's the psychology of this that we want to focus on here okay so keep your eye on the prize okay hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Climbers, do you have a groundbreaking song that the world needs to hear? Enter your song today in American Songwriters 2021 Song Contest to win $10,000 promotion across American Songwriter and a co-publishing deal with Live by Live. Get your songs in front of the contest judges who are also number one artists like Paul Stanley from Kiss. I love that. Vance Joy and Martina McBride, along with top A&R executives such as the senior VP of A&R at Atlantic Records and BBR Music Group. Go to americansongwriter.com forward slash song dash contest to enter. Again, that's americansongwriter.com slash song dash contest to enter. 
And if you use the coupon code CLIMB, all capital letters, C-L-I-M-B, you'll save 10% on your contest entry. No reason not to do it now, guys. It is understandable that those who fail should incline to blame the world for their failure. The remarkable thing, sorry. (laughs) The remarkable thing is that the successful two, however, I'm sorry, the successful two, however much they pride themselves on their foresight, their fortitude, thrift, and other sterling qualities, are at the bottom convinced that their success is the result of a fortuitous combination of circumstances. The self-confidence of even the consistently successful is never absolute. They are never sure that they know all the ingredients which go into the making of their success. The outside world seems to them a precariously balanced mechanism. And so long as it ticks in their favor, they are afraid to tinker with it. So long as it ticks in their favor, they're afraid to tinker with it. Thus, the resistance to change and the ardent desire for it spring from the same conviction, and one can be as vehement as the other. Okay, this, this, So we're, what we're talking about here now, we're talking about the powerful, right? We're talking about uh-huh. the people pulling the levers in the music industry, the top artists. They don't want it to change. Right. It goes on. Discontent by itself does not have... Inv- does not invariably create a desire for change. Other factors have to be present before discontent turns into dissatisfaction. One of these is a sense of power. Mm. I want you guys to have a sense of power. A sense of agency. Yes. Yes. I want you to feel the power that you have. When I show you these numbers, when we go down these, some of these, some of your eyes roll, your eyes glaze over, but I'm sitting here telling you, you know, here's your scepter. You're a king. Go dominate. Mm -hmm. Go make this happen in your own world, right? Those who are awed by their surroundings do not think of change, no matter how miserable their condition. When our mode of life is so precarious as to make it patent that we cannot control the circumstances of our existence, we tend to stick to the proven and the familiar, Mm -hmm. right? This is why battered wives don't leave. Mm -hmm. The devil you know or the devil you don't. There you go, right? Mm -hmm. We counteract a deep feeling of insecurity by making of our existence a fixed routine, We hereby acquire the illusion that we have tamed the unpredictable. Fishermen, nomads and farmers who have to contend with the willful elements, the creative worker like you artists who depend on inspiration, the savage who is awed by his surroundings, they all fear change. They face the world as they would an all-powerful jury, the abjectly poor, too. They stand in awe of the world around them and are not hospitable to change. It is a dangerous life we live when hunger and cold are at our heels. There is thus a conservatism of the destitute as profound as the conservative, conservatism, conservatism of the privileged. <laughs> and the former is as much a factor in the perpetuation of social order as the latter. All Think right. about that. So what we're talking about, we talked about this a little bit before we came on. So I had a little bit of a head start. What it means is, and what Johnny, you said is the, the top of the ladder, top rung of the ladder and the bottom rung of the ladder are, 
are both resistant to changing the status quo. Yeah. That's because right. the top of the ladder is doing really well and they don't want to mess it up. Right. They got a good yeah. thing going. Don't mess it up. Right. Yeah. My wife is in a good mood. Don't do or say anything. Right. And the other is yeah. <laughs> the other have no margin for error. Yeah. They can't afford to make a mistake because they're on thin ice as it is. My wife is in a bad mood. I better not do or say anything. Right. Or, or one false move and we don't eat tonight or we're out in the street. We're exactly. I can't try something different because I'm barely getting by as it, as it is. If that doesn't work, I can't afford to be wrong. I'm done. You see how the psychology of this guys works and, and the middle class of artists have to understand their power, understand this movement and I want you to be excited. I want this to be your faith in terms of your, you know, your, your golden, uh, what you were born to do, mm-hmm. right? So not a, your religious faith, not, not your family faith, not, but, but a different faith, yeah. a, a faith that, that, that you will be rewarded if you put the time and effort into this and see this for what it is. So it's the middle rungs on the ladder that can go, I got a little margin. I can try something different. If it doesn't work, it's probably not fatal, but man, the upside is worth it. Right. Exactly. Okay. And, and together we keep getting more and more powerful. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it goes on. I'm, and I'm paraphrasing on some of this stuff here, but it's just another page or so, but offhand, one would expect that the mere possession of power would automatically result in a cocky attitude towards the world and a receptivity to change, but it is not always so. The powerful can be as timid as the weak. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that again. The powerful can be as timid as the weak. This is what I want you mid-level artists right now to, to tattoo on your freaking foreheads mm-hmm. when you're trying to punch through and get into the upper echelons of the music industry right now to more powerful people. The powerful can be as timid as the weak. Well, you wonder why so much of what comes out of Nashville or comes out of whatever is so, in your estimation, maybe so bland, so mediocre, so all the same. They're powerful. They're the big labels. It's radio. Why don't they do something different? They're powerful because they're just as timid as the weak. Because they're as timid as the weak. And on that note, right, radio is all but sunk. Mm-hmm. It is it is on artificial life support, and the labels are one of the three big lines of nutrition and like the 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 whatever you call it the ventilator, yeah. keeping radio alive. And as long as that's happening, when the you know it's one thing to rock a boat, it's another thing when if you're sinking and that boat is just just about to go under the water, <laughs> you rock it too fast, you're going to make it sink quicker and end it all. Yeah. So you don't want to rock the boat. So you make a really good point. Brent, this is why everything's becoming so sterile. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what seems to count more than possession of instruments of power is faith in the future. Mm-hmm. Where power is not joined with faith in the future, it is used mainly to ward off the new and preserve the status quo. I'll give you examples. It would have cost the taxi cab industry, probably about 10% of what they spent if they chose what they spent fighting off Uber in every single market 
on every single corner of this globe, what they spent to fight off Uber and try to eliminate the competition if they just said, let's change mm-hmm. and adapt. We're, we're yellow cab company. Who the hell is Uber? Right now, we've got such a bigger brand name. If we do what Uber's doing, they won't win. Right. But they, they, they're not going to do that because they see Uber as a threat that's going to degrade their position right now. Right. Mm. How about, uh, I'll give you another example. How about the labels versus Napster in 1999? Oh, yeah. How about the labels versus streaming four years ago? Mm-hmm. Now, who's, who's the label's daddy? <laughs> streaming. Streaming. But don't forget, they were fighting it. Mm-hmm. Okay? And this is, this is my point. is because This is predictable. This is predictable. This is not a surprise. Okay? So on the other hand, extravagant hope even when not backed by actual power is likely to generate the most reckless daring for the hopeful can draw strength from the most ridiculous sources of power, a slogan, a word, a button. No faith is potent unless it is also faith in the future, unless it has a millennial component. So too, an effective doctrine, as well as being a source of power, it must also claim to be the key to the book of the future. Those who would transform a nation or a world cannot do so by breeding and captaining discontent or by demonstrating the reasonableness and desirability of the intended changes or by coercing people into a new way of life. You can't sell it and you can't scare them into it. That's what that says, okay? Mm-hmm. They must know how to, continue, how to kindle and fan an extravagant hope. It matters not whether it be a hope of a heavenly kingdom or of heaven on earth, of of plunder and untold riches, of fabulous achievement or of world dominion. If the communists, and keep in mind, this book was written in 1951. If the communists win Europe and a large part of the world, it will not be because they know how to stir up discontent or how to infect people with hatred, but because they know how to preach hope. Hmm. Okay. Thus, the differences between the conservative and the radical see, and there's this movement wise, this is not politically, but it Mm -hmm. factors into politics too. Okay. But the differences between these two seem to spring mainly from their attitude towards the future. Fear of the future causes us to lean against and cling to the present while faith in the future renders us receptive to change. Both the rich and the poor, the strong and the weak, they who have achieved much or little can be afraid of the future. So when you're looking for people to put on your team, when you're looking for the kind of characters that you need to advance your career, we're talking some deep level thought here, guys. Mm You don't want to be no, you care not whether they're rich or poor. You care not whether they're strong or weak or how much they have achieved. What you want to know is how do they feel about the future? Amen. That's what you want to know. When the present seems so perfect that the most we can expect is its even continuation in the future, change can only mean deterioration. 
That's why the labels didn't want to deal with streaming. We sell CDs. This is going to screw up everything. Okay. Your bigger artists, your bigger managers, right? They're scared to death right now of deterioration because they don't understand the change. So they fight it. This is human nature. I think it's the same thing looking for co-writers is I want co-writers that feel confident and hopeful for the future. Yeah. Not that, well, I'm just really here writing songs and biding my time until I have to go, you know, get that, go sell used cars again or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) That's not the writers I want to be working with. I want the ones that have faith. So hence, men of outstanding achievement. And those who live full, happy lives usually set their faces against drastic innovation. The conservatism of invalids and people past middle age stems, too, from the fear of the future. They are on the lookout for signs of decay, and they feel that any change is more likely to be for the worse than for the better. The abjectly poor are also without faith in the future. The future seems to them a booby trap buried in the road ahead. One must step gingerly to change things is to ask for trouble. As for the hopeful, it does not seem to make any difference who it is that is seized with a wild hope, whether it be an enthusiastic intellectual, a land-hungry farmer, a get-rich-quick speculator, a sober merchant, or an industrialist, or a plain working man, or a noble lord. They all proceed recklessly with the present. They wreck it if necessary and create a new world. Thus, there can be revolutions by the privileged as well as by the underprivileged. Okay. So for men to plunge headlong into the undertaking of vast change, they must be intensely disconnected yet not destitute. They must have the feeling that by the possession of some potent doctrine, infallible leader, or some new technique, that they have access to a source of irresistible power. This is what I see in climbers, Brent. Mm -hmm. This is what I see in you. This is what I see in me. This is, when it comes to the music business, this, it's the new technique that we have to focus on. They, they, that, that is your source of irresistible power. You know, they must, have you must have an an extravagant conception of the prospects and potentialities of the future experience is a handicap hmm. in this we're talking about a paradigm shift in the market of an industry like this experience is a handicap did you hear that the men who started the French Revolution who were wholly without poli- were wholly without political experience. The same is true of the Bolsheviks, the Nazis, and the revolutionaries in Asia. The experienced man of affairs is a latecomer when you're talking about a paradigm shift in the marketplace, which is what we are mm-hmm. in. Where who who were the big titans in Hollywood? ABC, NBC, CBS, then in the 80s, Fox. Mm-hmm. That's that's who the that's who the uh, Emmys belonged to. And then who 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 was Netflix? It didn't exist in the 80s. It didn't exist for most of the 90s. It was started in 97. They didn't start doing it until 1998. Yeah. 
you know, and they didn't start streaming until 2007. They didn't start streaming their own stuff until 2013. And seven years later in 2020, they're nominated for 160 Emmys in the nearest network, the former Titans, the big owners, the untouchables, the people who own the levers and pull them, who decide what your fate is, the gods of Hollywood, the nearest one, 31 Emmy Awards. Not even freaking close. Yeah. Not even close. Okay, so... This is this is this is what I wanted to share with you guys. You know, the artists who understand this are going to dominate. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're going to dominate as artists. Right now, you're predictably chasing a foothold in the old paradigm with the brand names of the executives and the important people from the old paradigm. Mm-hmm. These are not your people. These are people that actually are dangerous to you because you don't have a big enough audience for the levers that they still can pull mm-hmm. to help you with it. Right? It like if you're Tim McGraw, these are the pe- these are your people. Right, yeah. Because they can still control the radio and it's all changing and everything's going down, but you know what? You have a multi-million dollar brand name and so that digital phone in your hand acts as a radio. It might as well. It's a broadcast platform. Yeah. But for you, the artist who's coming up, uh that is not uh a broadcast platform. That's a digital platform. And if you don't honor it, and if you try to do it the way they're doing it with Tim McGraw, because they can, it's not going to work. And I will tell you that it's not, not because they can, because they are who they are. It's not because they can, because they have all the money. It's because they can, because he already has the audience, right? They built it on broadcast. So if Tim McGraw were to just hand over all his money to you and, and say, hey, I want this guy, Brent, you're the one. You're going to be the next big star. Mm-hmm. And, and, and demanded that the label puts all the money that they put behind Tim McGraw into Brent Baxter, they can't build it because they'd have to do it on a digital platform. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? The money doesn't matter. The power doesn't matter now because this is what's going on. And the more that you guys understand this, the more power, the more power you actually see within yourselves. I mean, so, if, the label, know, if the label could break anybody just by pumping money in, why are there so many people, on, artists on labels that you've never heard of? Thank you. I mean, go, go look at the roster of a record label. Don't thank assume you. that just, you know, the people you know are the only ones on that label. They're not. How about how about let's take that a step further? You bring up a really good angle I never even thought of, Brent. So prior to streaming, only 5% of artists on labels ever made money. Right. It wasn't because they sucked. Nope. It was because they didn't get on the radio mm-hmm. because there wasn't room. That's the tyranny of space, right? That's right. So they just didn't get in front of an audience. Therefore, they couldn't grow an audience. Therefore, nobody knew the tree fell in the forest and nobody heard it. Game over. They don't win. But right. now, now, that doesn't have to be the case. Right. right now, for a label that understands how to honor the digital platform, you could be a major label with 500 artists and every single one of those artists make money because you're not solely dependent on radio yeah. to break them. Because they're still not going to get all those artists on radio. 
Still not going to happen. Right. That shelf space is still just as limited as before. Those yeah. spins, those playlists of 90% of the spins are 40 artists. That hasn't changed. So, and this is the reality today, but does uh, that exist? There might be a couple little labels out there that are doing that, but mm-hmm. the majors, no. Right. They don't get it. Yeah. Not because they're stupid. It's just, it's a different animal, man. And they don't want to change it. Why? Because it's bad for them. Right. It means it's going to go down. It's really hard to be at the top of your game and to have a long storied career that's long enough and storied enough that you would want to work with them. And you know their name as an industry person. Mm Mm-hmm. And you would dream about being and working with that person and being on their team. That's man. All they want to do is ride that surfboard into the shore, pick it up and walk into the sunset. (laughs) Yeah. They're not interested in changing anything because they're going to have to relearn a bunch of crap Mm -hmm. and take a step backwards to take a step forward. So to you, power is not of import. How much money they have is not of import. What's important is, man, what, how do they feel about the future? I mean, let's think about this. All the industry awards, you know, single of the year, who has the most number ones, all that stuff, right? Is yeah. there one for like the largest percentage of artists making money? Nope. <laughs> you know, do they have one, that, you know, can, uh, industry accolades for, oh my gosh, you didn't have any fat on your rosters, not just because you got rid of everyone, but Tim McGraw and Kenny Chesney, but wow, you're actually growing people and they're making money and, for every one of your artists, now, is there a, is there an award show for that? The, uh, I don't know. What do you call those? Yeah. <laughs> what would you call those? The, the no fat awards. I don't know. <laughs> um, I was going to say because how do you call it? Something like they're all in the black, but then that could that could be a misconstrued <laughs> nickname. I don't know what you uh, call it. Depends that. on what they're spending money on. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, it depends so, on the business model. <laughs> you know, but that's and so is that what you know? Industry execs or, or the middle people or whatever that are just trying to hang on to their jobs is that what they're going to be flying their flag around town? Like, hey, we made money on this artist that you still haven't heard on the radio, but they're making a living. We're going to be able to keep them on and do more records because we're doing digital stuff and. Man, so a while back on the podcast, I talked about this former sort of label guy that I met at a party. And I was like kind of really excited because I knew who he was and blah, blah, blah. And now he's got like this company that they are a radio promotion company and they do indicator activator stations. Mm -hmm. So you're going to chart on Billboard if you pay pay him enough money. Okay. Um, On the spins, you know, they're they're trying to sell the fact that, hey, we get you the spins, you're going to chart on top 200, which is sales. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they happen to be working with an artist that I used to work with and, you know, had very strong ties to him. I'm not mentioning any names here. That artist got to number 46 on the indicator activator country chart. Okay. Awesome. Right. Yeah. yeah most people don't. From the time it hit 46. So during that three, like there's a, a period that I knew it was coming. And then I waited for a couple of weeks afterwards. That artist was like above 90,000 spins, uh, streams on Spotify, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, Hey, for a lot of indie artists, that's respectable. They're like, Oh, I would love to be there. But it, this artist has built up that business mm-hmm. on their, their damn selves. Yeah. Okay. And, and this wasn't a result of that. Uh, and then where was it afterwards? So still below a hundred thousand. <laughs> Didn't move the needle long term. Didn't move the needle. Spent a hundred thousand dollars to get that number forty six. That would move the needle. 
See, see what I'm saying? Guys, keep your eyes on the prize. Know the game. You are in danger of making really, really bad decisions trying to play the game the old way, and everybody wants you to play the game the old way. Mm-hmm. This is where you really got to think for yourself. This is where this podcast is going to help you really keep your eyes on the right North Star, not the wrong North Star. That's right. You know, I mean, uh, if you're a big fan of Monty Python, you ever seen The Life of Brian? I haven't seen that one. I'm well, you of, a, of all people, Brent, need to watch it I, because do the, you know the premise behind it? Uh, it's somewhat, and that, that's part of why probably I haven't watched it. But I'm more of the, awesome. I'm more of the, uh, the Holy Grail. Monty Python. Right. Well, the, the, I mean, the whole premise of, of the life of Brian is that the three wise men accidentally go to the wrong manger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they miss the son of God. You yeah. know what I mean? It's this guy, Brian, who's just a regular guy. And now this whole mass movement. So he's like, leave me alone. I don't, you know, like he doesn't want it. Right. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. He's not the guy, but they don't care. Right. The three wise men told him That's this was funny. the deal. It's hysterical, but this is it. So this, your career could easily turn into the life of Brian if you go to the wrong manger. And the wrong manger is the one you really want to go to. That's the one you think you want to go to. Right. That's the one with the biggest marquee value. That's the one that's going to impress your friends and your other musician friends and your parents and everybody like that. But unless they truly understand the future Mm-hmm. and are open to the future, then, um, man, talking with them is like banging your head against the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, like what, what, what? So that was it. I mean, I just kind of looking back on the whole year and thinking about all the messages we're trying to put across. And I just thought, man, the parts of that book uh, that I read just really gets you to understand what happens with movements. And I'm here to tell you that you are the movement mm-hmm. okay and you're the movement you're the one that's going to really change the music industry here and it's going to be collectively so get to work yeah you want to choose wisely so that makes me think of indiana jones and the last crusade where at the end uh-huh. you know they have all these chalices and goblets and stuff lined up mm. and the night's like you know if you drink from the the cup of christ basically then you know you'll be healed you have eternal life or whatever and so the the, ba- the the bad guy, he's like, he grabs his golden chalice. He's like, this is the cup of The one king. with the most diamonds and, yeah, and exactly. gems on it. Yeah, yeah. And he takes a drink and, and, of course, he dies. You know, falls up, Ghost. explodes or whatever. And the knight was like, he chose poorly. Poorly. That's yeah. shiny, like, <laughs> broadcast media. Like, this is the cup of a hit artist. Radio spins. And then you drink, you know, spending $100,000 on it, and you explode. He chose poorly. And yeah. there's this little little cup of a carpenter over here that looks like it's digital. It doesn't feel famous. Yeah, doesn't feel famous. Doesn't feel famous. Looks like, looks like uh, you know, some, something you might get this. on a Walmart on the, on the bargain rack for a buck. Anyone could drink it. Anyone could have this cup. This is not a special cup. And that was the cup. That was the right cup. That was the actual Holy Grail, right? Exactly. The the chalice. That was the one. So there it is, guys. I hope you put a lot of thought into this. Um, I am doing everything in my power and spending a lot of energy trying to articulate what I see because it's about a, it's a communication exercise for me. Mm. I see it. I get so excited. I think a lot of you understand my enthusiasm and respond to that. Um, But sometimes maybe you don't really, really see what it is I'm saying, you know? 
because uh, if it is, you'd be doing things differently. So um, get the free download. Mm-hmm. Okay. This will help you begin to kind of rewire your brain and see what I see. It's called uh, He Who Owns the Traffic Rules the Road. That's what it's about. You want to f- own the traffic. Forget everything else. Focus on how you can create traffic and do it consistently on digital. And uh, man, so much energy is going to come your way in the in the form of everything and up to and including money like yeah. quickly okay and just go to giftfromjohnny.com and tell me where to send it j o h n n n y giftfromjohnny.com and tell me where to send it if you want <clears throat> personal consults on this sometimes it's hard to get an inventory of what your assets are what you need to work on where you should focus where you should be spending your time your money blah 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 i'm available for that too just email us we do charge for that it's my time it's more valuable now than it ever was before. Believe me. Um, <laughs> just ask Janelle, right? <laughs> uh, that's who you're fighting with for it. So I don't know. I don't know if you, I don't, I, I wouldn't want to be in a fight with her. You know what I mean? Right. But um, <clears throat> she's going to win. I can promise you, but um, just go, send me an email at info at daredevilproduction.com and put consultation in the subject line. And we'll, 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 we'll set something up and kind of get you going on the right thing. But read that PDF, guys. It's 37 pages. It's easy read. There's a lot of graphics in there. I made it easy to read, okay? So don't get overwhelmed by the amount of pages. But read that damn thing so you understand the difference between broadcast and digital and the kinds of – I just – what I want to do is change your thinking because when you change your thinking and start asking the right questions – we're going to start getting more and more and more right answers. I've shared lots of my successes with you on this podcast. I got those not because I threw a dart in the dark. Um, <laughs> I didn't know the answer right. until I asked the right question. And then I'm like, let's try this because I feel like this is going to solve a problem. And then guess what? It did. And so we're here for you for that, guys. Okay. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on clocking. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. 
That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 